Sean, Sean, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Not too shabby at all. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Proceed worldwide, wide, wide. Sean, wow. so this is your first wow. time on the podcast? Wide. So, yeah, it's my, it's, my, it's my first time. First time. So I'm breaking your cherry, but like, and you know what? You know, the moment that I decided that you had to be on my podcast was um, we were watching MMA for the last three Christmases, do you, do you realize this, that we're watching like WWE and fast forward in between WWE, MMA, and UFC, and we're, we're fast forward, and I'm looking at you, I'm like, holy shit, we're, we're now an MMA fighting family, I, I gotta bring him on the podcast when we start again, that, that, that's the moment I realized you had to come on the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's cool, that's cool, I, I like that, and the next one after this, who we're gonna have to get, is, uh, is, is the little guy. Well, little guy. George, little, little George is on deck for this. George did karate. You, you realize this, though, right? Like, I, we, we come from a, we come from a fighting family. Like, grandpa, my my grandpa boxed. Uncle George boxed. George, uh, little George, did karate. And I'm messing. I'm rattling off names of my family members. Don't mind me, but like, and, and you wrestled. Melissa did cheerleading. Doesn't count, but she's a bad motherfucker. But like, you realize that our entire family has been involved in mixed martial arts. You realize that, though, right? I realize that. If anybody has an older sister, you got to realize that that's the scariest person in the world when you're growing up. But uh, other than that, yeah, wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you know the drill. Wrestling uh, four years old to uh, to 12th grade. It was it was a fun ride. I, I got I got in the game late. I, I got in around six, seven years old. And, and you know what? Family members have always, like, coasted us into, like, wrestling and everything like that. And, like, I always thought you were the better wrestler, to be honest with you. Like we we did one wrestling match in like uh, during Christmas like 1997 yeah. or 98. That was, I, got, I, I remember that. that was a long time ago. I was a I was a buzzsaw back then, baby. But like I I always consider you the better wrestler. Now, I don't know why people our family members always ask this question, but like I joke around saying I'll wrestle you. But I always thought of you as, as the better wrestler. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. Grow, growing up, you know, you know, I I, I was the better wrestler, but then. Over time, you you kind of you kind of enjoyed it more, and you enjoyed the whole combat aspect of it more, and hence why you know what what paths you went down. You know, you went down you went into the MMA world, and you've enjoyed it ever since. 
Yeah, man. And I started smoker fights right out of high school. So I was doing smoker fights, and I was engaging in smoker fights, and fighting guy out off the bar stool. The sport was not fucking evolved whatsoever. Why didn't you ever get that itch? And I always wondered that, too, because, you know, you wrestled longer than I did. Well, why you never got that itch? Why you never scratched that itch? Why you never got into, like, jiu-jitsu or MMA or... Because you were a good fucking wrestler, too. The thing is, when I was young, when I was younger, and I, you know, I got into like, you know, everyone, everyone gets into little scraps and whatnot. Just taking people down and realizing that you're on top of them, and they, you know, you're they're submitting to your will, and you can literally demolish them in possibly five, ten seconds. I never got the itch of like once I had them on the ground, I never got the itch to, you know, punch, 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 punch. You know, I was just like. All right, I see their face. I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of sad. So I would just <laughs> let them, yeah, I would just let them up and be like, so what do you want to do? And they would just be like, all right, you know, I'm done with this. And I was like, all right, peace. I think every, don't mess with me again. <laughs> I think everyone can fight though. Like, you hear about like fucking Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise uh, scheduling the fight? That's so stupid. But would you watch it? Obviously, we we all would watch it. <laughs> Because who, you know who wouldn't want to see Wait. one of them get punched in the face? It's like either or. It's like Tom Cruise. If Tom Cruise was Justin Bieber's age, he'd be Justin Bieber. So it's like Justin Bieber fighting older Justin Bieber. Right, right. But yeah, it's, it's like it's like I, Inception. So so Justin Bieber actually trains or has walked through our gym in Hoboken, and it's so strange. Him coming through our quarters is like it's a small world after all. I but forgot like, about that. Did, were you there that day? Mm, yes and no, I would say. <laughs> you know what? Like it, it was, it was a closed off environment, and not, like he, he's just in fucking Beaver. So like obviously, you know, it, it, it's gonna be. And paparazzi was surrounding the gym and harassing him, and front desk commander was like, "Dude, leave him fucking alone." Like Justin Bieber, and people have to realize too. Being being a celebrity, it means that holy shit, you're getting bombarded by paparazzi and you're you're getting bombarded by like camera people. As soon as you step foot in the gym, camera crews are all out there. Fucking our front desk lady Amanda, and shout out to her if she's listening. She's fucking awesome and I love her. But like you know, Amanda's like, dude, like leave him alone. What, what what's going on here? But like, <laughs> let the dude train, man. The dude just wants to train. And he's all right at boxing, like you know, like I, he he's okay, he's competent, and like I I I'm under the impression, and this has always been my mind state that like anybody can fight. I'm fucking Ratatouille. I'm not a little mouse. I'm not a little chef actually. In that mouse's ear, saying everybody can fight. So like I think Nanny could fucking knock me out. I think anybody could fight. It's ingrained in her what DNA, and that's it? why. What movie was that though? Anyone can cook. What was that? It was uh, Ratatouille. That's right. That's a great movie. But yeah, you're right. I mean, anyone can really, you know, anyone can throw hands. I, but I, I don't want to say anyone can throw hands, but uh, like throw good hands. But anyone can throw hands, you know. But that's why you go to a gym, though. You go to a gym to sharpen. Exactly. Those you go to a gym to sharpen those skills and everything like that. Like defending yourself yeah. is ingrained in our DNA as goddamn mammals or whatever we are. We we it's know like how to defend ourselves. Of, it's like in any aspect of life. The more you the more you train at something, the better you're going to get. Exactly. So Justin Bieber versus Tom Cruise kind of makes sense because, okay, it makes sense in a couple 
respects. One, if you put it on the undercard and people – and let's say the pay-per-view company charges $100 to order this pay-per-view event. I'm morally obligated. If I pay $100 for anything, I don't know if it's a Jew in me. But I fucking I, – if I pay $100 for anything, I'm morally obligated to stick the entire way through. If it's a movie, if it's a pay-per-view event, anything like that, put it on an undercard loaded with top-tier talent and have people sit through it, morally obligated to sit right through it to watch the sport and watch, like, what real fighters – or and I don't want to say real fighters, See, but, like – my, you know, my worrying about this is they did this once already, and it and they and they kind of shot themselves in the foot. They did it with Phil Brooks. And that fight yeah. didn't go as planned, you know, with, with Mickey Gall. And then not even the Mickey Gall fight. The second fight, you had that guy, and he was just – and, like, you know, shout out to CM Punk for, you know, giving it a whirl. You know, you got you to gotta respect you gotta respect that notion. But he did not belong on an undercard. He belonged on the prelim. And, you know, I feel bad yeah, for the yeah. fighters sometimes that train all their lives. And then, like, a Justin Bieber can walk in for ratings, which, you know, you, you got to get. But – Justin Bieber walks in for ratings, and he's on, he's on the main card, and you're sitting in the prelims, and you've been fighting for for 15 years. Exactly, and I see it from that point of view too. But like anybody can rock in a hard place. And you know what though? Like Justin Bieber was when, once. Tom Cruise said, "You know what? I'm really interested in this." Justin Bieber actually took like a kind, of, kind of, he took a back step, and he was like. And, and that goes towards my point where everyone can fight, but does everyone really want to fight? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But not, but that also could be that and in the wrestling industry, that could be a work. You know what? He could be like, I take this back step. Maybe, maybe this guy will be like, all right, you know what? Maybe he's maybe I can actually go out and do this against him. Maybe it's a work. Maybe just maybe maybe the beads is playing the masses. Maybe. Who knows? You never know. But it, it, you know what? Maybe it was like because he didn't even know why he tweeted it. It, it came with no rhyme and reason. And like, every everyone's been in that situation where like somebody says, "Oh, I'll fuck you up or I'll kick your ass." Like, well, what when did the tweet go out? What time was the tweet? I, I, I see. I I'm not a tweeter, but I'm obviously like curious that because because I've heard about this. But what time did the tweet go out? Was it like a a midnight tweet or a one a.m. tweet? It probably was. I mean. I, I think he got mega baked, and he said, dude, you know what? It was going to be a great idea if I call out Tom fucking Cruise. And I would call out Tom Cruise, yeah. too. How did that idea organically happen? Like, he's just, whatever he's doing one day, he's like, hmm, wait, Tom Cruise? Top Gun yeah, Cruise exactly. coming out, or whatever. Let's call him out and say, I want to fight you, you 50-year-old man. You know, how it happened is, is unbeknownst to me, but... Like I said, like you said, a hundred dollars. I'm morally obligated to watch the Beebs mess up, you know, Maverick. Mm, but like, and that goes to my point too. I I don't think Justin Bieber and just uh, in, I was about to say uh, Justin Timberlake, but like Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise, I don't I don't necessarily think they want to fight. Like everybody, everyone tweets they want to fight people and they want to like. So so uh, you've been in fights. But the the only fight I've been in in recent memory was a girl that liked me. A dude was trying to, like, impress her and say he could kick my ass. And I actually have video of this. I'm I'm probably going to fucking occupy the video. And how long ago was this? This was, like, a year ago. But this gal who liked me fucking... I swear to God, and this dude was like, yeah, I could fucking kick your ass and everything. Like, I could kick his fucking ass. Look at his fucking record. Not knowing I've been doing smoker fights since 05, and they don't account for that. But, like, 
This guy was like, yo, I could fucking up. I could kick his ass and everything. Like, this guy was like 270. He, he, he's been in jiu-jitsu for like five, six years. And I'm like, and she's tweeting me. She, she's texting me back with the conversation. I'm laughing my balls off. I'm like, that, that like, interests me. I, I, when have I ever said I'm going to kick somebody's ass or I'm, I'm going to fuck someone up? It's not in my nature. Nor any, any respectful jiu-jitsu practitioner. It's not in their nature. So somehow I'm commuting home from work and he's on the train. And I'm like, say, aren't you the guy that said he's going to fuck me up? I swear to God, it's the funniest fucking story ever, bro. I was on the Just train. Just by like, sheer happenstance, he's on your train. That is fantastic. He's on my train. I'm like, say, weren't you the guy that w- w- said to this, to this girl, our mutual friend, that you're going to fuck me up? I want you to show me because I'm interested. You, you just sparked my attention. I followed him for three fucking blocks. Three fucking blocks. I'm like, are you gonna fight me now? Are you gonna fuck me up now? Are you gonna fuck me up now? Like, dude, I don't want any fucking problems. I didn't say you were gonna kick my ass. I show my phone. I'm like, then why, if you weren't gonna fight me, why did you tell this girl you wanted to fight me, motherfucker? Like, it was the craziest thing ever. I think, I think everybody wants to fight. Anybody can fight, but does everybody really want to fight? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, that's that's a hundred percent true, and it doesn't. There's a time and a place for everything, and like these guys, like they, they're at, we're at this age, you know what I mean? We're at this age where like you gotta be an adult about this stuff. You can't be calling out random people to fight. Like you do it as you do it, you know, as I don't want to say a living or a hobby. It's like kind of in between that. Um, but you do it, you do it professionally. You do it. You do it where, where there's, you know, referees and all that. It's not like you're going out and you're like, hmm, I'm looking for a fight right now. I'm at a bar. Who can I fight? Oh, that guy. That guy yeah, looks weird. good. I'm going to put him off off his bar stool. No, you don't do stuff like that. Um, Like that guy. That guy was a little bit cocky and abrasive. And, like, by sheer happenstance, he got caught. And it's and it's yep. amazing. It's beautiful. It's a be- it's a beta move, baby. I'm alpha. You're alpha. I- I'm not putting up with that shit. But like, it's so weird, you know. It's, it, and maybe Justin Bieber, going back on the story, maybe he tweeted that out just to like, you know, just to shock value, you know. But like, maybe shock value. I I have no idea. It's it's, yeah. it's a crazy story. But like, if it brings eyeballs to the sport, I will completely fucking buy it. Bar none, I will and, and, absolutely and, and, buy that. That's the see. That's the thing, you know. Look what we're doing. We're talking about it. People are talking about it. Yeah. And it's hopefully it doesn't take like Phil Brooks took two years. Obviously, you have to train. He was training where he was training at that uh, big Milwaukee gym, wasn't he? He was at uh, where Pettis trained. trained. Yeah, he was at Rufus for a while. Yeah, Rufus for a while. Right, he was there for like two years before before he got his before he fought his first fight. Um, It's crazy. And then it work out too well for him. What's up? Yeah, it didn't work out too well for him. But but once again, you you gotta respect the guy going into the octagon. I mean, like, regardless of the outcome, you know, utmost respect. You know that 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 takes that takes balls, man. Yeah, and and that goes with everybody though. Like every anybody yeah. can fight, but does everybody want to fight? And I don't think I don't think and I know Tom Cruise, and I know. Uh, Justin Bieber. I don't know him personally, but I know. I I think it's all for publicity, to be honest with you. But if it brings more eyeballs to the sport, fucking so be it. You know. Yeah, it's it's all for publicity, but it's like what's coming out is like 
is the Biebs dropping an album? I know Tom Cruise is doing Top Gun too, but who knows? I I feel like that's not coming out for a long ass time. But uh, 2020. Twenty twenty, yeah. So, other than that, I mean, like it's, you know, Beebs should be like too late. You're about to enter the highway to the danger zone. That would be <laughs> amazing if he cut a promo with that in it. Holy if he cut a promo God. with that in it. Oh my God, that'll be great. <laughs> Tom Cruise coming out, fucking with the, like the Maverick helmet, and like he comes out to and the ring. His, his theme song is "Highway to the Danger Zone." <laughs> And Maverick, oh my god, and Maverick dies mid-entrance, builds up the crowd, and like everyone's cheering for Tom Cruise, even though he's a Scientologist, it's bullshit, but like, oh my god, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, that whole Scientology thing is funny. <laughs> Completely off topic, you remember the show South Park, right? Of course. Obviously, everyone remembers the show South Park. So the character Chef, the guy who plays Chef is a huge Scientology Huge into Scientology, like Tom Cruise is. She got into a fight with the creators because the creators wanted to make fun of Scientology, and he quit the show because of it because they were yeah. making fun of Scientology. Of course, and so that's why in the past seasons, Chef isn't involved anymore because they made fun of um, Tom Cruise's religion. I hate to bring this up, but Chef's dead. You, you know that, right? Really, uh, Elvin Hayes is dead. Oh well, yeah. rest in peace. Rest in peace to that man. He made me laugh when I was growing up. You didn't fucking know that? I did not know that. I'm not. I'm not too up on the pop culture world as much as as much as you would think. What you been doing? <laughs> Evidently, that rock I've been living under. I've just been. I've just been. You know, sitting there. Unbelievable. I've been sitting under well, that follow, rock. Well, you follow MMA and fucking pro wrestling, so this is why you're here. <laughs> Yep, you have to, you know, that's, I call it a guilty pleasure for wrestling, my, my admiration for it. When I tell what do, what people do you I'm about... highly vested, when I tell people I'm highly vested into it, they're like, some people are like, oh, you're 28 years old. And I was like, hey, you like watching Breaking Bad. I like watching professional wrestling. I, I don't see what's wrong with that. But, uh, yep, that's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I told I told my gal about that where everyone in my family either follows MMA, boxing, or pro wrestling. And shout out to my gal yeah. by the way. So she just got promoted to her job. You know, she fucking amazing in every way. I'll get to her later. But like, so I brought her up that like our entire family follows pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing. There's no in between. And uh, we we're talking about wrestling. She's like, so um, you know, uh, you watch wrestling, but like. You know how do you, how often do you watch it? And I'm like, not nearly as enough as I watch MMA. Like, I, I think the WWE product is kind of fucking stale. And like, I'm waiting for AEW to actually come up and with like Kenny Omega and like all those guys. Like, what do you think? Yeah, that's that show. That that AEW show is great. And, and they need this. And like, the the most hilarious part about this is their TV deal is signed to Ted Turner, who used to own WCW. <laughs> so Ted Turner, How? years later, Ted Turner, years later, literally, fat, he's, he he jumped the gun on this TV deal. He had to have, because he's like, oh, yeah, screw Vince. I'm going to just just play play AEW and shove the product down the TNT, TBS throats of America, you know? 
it's so crazy, man, and, and how how everything comes full circle and full, like Vince McMahon. Full circle, exactly. Holy shit! How co- how cocky, and I still remember the episode to this day when he bought out WCW and he was like, you know, I now own WCW and I want Ken Turner to come to fucking WrestleMania and sign over the contract to me. Like it was goddamn World War Two and like. Fucking yeah. Adolf Hitler and his Nazi like soldiers were signing over their peace treaty like it, the, the craziest thing ever and and now AEW is going to be on T, uh, TNT again, dude. Fucking crazy, man. It, yeah. it, it's never been a better time to be a pro wrestling fan. No, the I mean you can say the Monday. I I I truly always appreciate the Monday Night Wars, but what Cody is doing right now is, and if. If you watch his YouTube, shout out to Cody Rhodes. If you watch, if you watch his uh, YouTube channel, I think it's like called the Nightmare Family. Dude, the stuff him and his brother, the pro, the promos he's cutting, are so deep, and it's like you can see, you can see how how WWE destroys morale within wrestlers, and like they're doing, they do it left and right. You know, look at Mike Bennett. Mike Kanellis was great on the indie scene. He comes to. WWE and no one's ever heard of him again. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, right. so I, and I have a couple of buddies too that are wrestling for AEW. Like my my uh, my friend Sunny Kiss. My my last pro wrestling you, match. You know was Sunny Kiss? Uh, yeah, we wrestled on the same car for my last pro wrestling match. Sunny Kiss is 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 Jay George's good buddy. Yeah, man, he's he's fucking I, dope. He's a great I, wrestler. I, I went, I went to a few world. shows with Sunny Kiss. That's the, yeah, that that dude is talented. Dude, dude's amazing, and he's he signed the AEW. You have all these guys, Joey Janelle. Janelle, I wrestled with him at the first two KW show. My first my first wrestling match back in 2014, wrestled on the same card as Joey Janelle. Blew me away. I mean, this guy's on another fucking level, another another solar yeah. system. But like, you have all this plethora of talent that WWE never looked at, and it, it just. It's a fresh concept. It's a new product, and like which I think is also a good like thing, a- which I think is a good thing they never looked at, because it's like look at EC3 right now. Yeah, look at his. He's miserable. They're sad. I don't know, and, and the thing he's is, been- I don't know if it's a work or a shoot, but it's just it, it's sad. People people lose the love. Some of them when they go over there when they don't have any uh storyline or you know they're just sitting there. They're getting paid, so. Like Shinsuke don't care. Since Shinsuke's old, he's getting paid. He don't care. He don't care. But he don't like, care. back he to Joey Janelle. Joey 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 Janelle. I was I was I was blown away by him and the NJF when I was watching all uh, the past pay per you for AEW. I was blown away by them. Yeah. They're they're too talented. Too too talented. Amazing. Up and comers. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, man. And, and just and, and and I think WV too. You have like Paul Heyman right now is taking on creative, and you have Eric Bischoff. But I don't think it's enough. I, I, I think this man has to step down or die, to be honest with you. I, I think that's the next step. And and so get better. And CM Punk put it perfectly when he sat up on that stage. It's it's like it's like any company you, you can say it's like any 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 company when the CEO gets too old and you know, it's time but he doesn't wanna go, you know. It's he she knows it's time but he's he loves his product so much, and he's such a control freak that he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, crazy. But at least the UFC is popping. I mean, you have John Jones coming back. That's going to be a big card, and John Jones is fighting against uh, Tiago, I guess. The yeah. Guy who's on a win streak. And... 
Yeah, and everyone's it, it, it's the same old song. Like honestly, personally, I think John Jones is gonna run through him. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, this guy. Well, anyone has a has a puncher's chance, but like the past three or four Jones fights, besides the OVP fights, they're like, oh, you know, this guy has a chance. This guy has a chance, and Jones just literally runs through everybody. The next person up is going to be Johnny Walker, and I think Johnny Walker is going to get ran through as well. Yeah, John Jones is—he's been the best since what, 2010, 2011. You know, I—I I mean, he's yeah, been the. He's... No, well, no one's been a talented into... family. Uh, yeah, but like, and and I I hate using the excuse of steroids because I fought people that have been on the juice, but like back in the day, it wasn't heavily regulated like as it is now, but like. You know, it's I, – I don't want to hear the excuse. And I met John Jones. He's a very nice guy, and, like, we were FB friends. And fucking, like, I met him – I think in, like, 2013 I met him. And he's a he, – pitcher and I are hanging on the wall. I mean, we had a good 40-minute conversation. And, like, he wrestled in New York. I wrestled in New Jersey. John Jones is a great guy. And I hate the excuse that, like, you know, he's only been successful because of steroids or anything like that. John Jones has been successful. Absolutely he's been not. Successful. Really? Yeah, you absolutely agree? not. No, 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 I, no. I agree. I'm saying I, I agree with you. It's, it's like people like the TJ Dillashaw thing happening. You know, how many times did he do it? When did he do it? It's all. It's you, you'll never know. You know, he got caught that one time. He could have been doing his whole career. He could have only done it that one time. You know, unless unless he says what he did. You know, we'll never know. But uh, instead of dwelling on that, just just in any situation, appreciate the the artistry and the the talent that these guys train day after day for. You know, that's that's what you really should should focus on, and not the not all the picograms, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But oh, on that oh, note, no, that's, I don't understand that all though. How does more picogram? How does he his body naturally produce? I don't get it. But like I said. Appreciate the artistry of the guy in that octagon. You know what he does is his art. You know his talent. Speaking of art and talent, I have my very good buddy, my day one, and this guy and I go way, 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 way back. And the reason why we go way, way back because he was the first guy. He was a double champion. I mean, this guy was running through the entire ranks, killing people, and he was the first guy. To actually give my brand a chance, and he actually promoted my first brand. I thought the the, the five year anniversary of my podcast and everything like that. This is a guy I have to bring back on. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's in the PFL. He he beat Mike Kyle. I mean, he he's been running through people in the game. I, he's a big name. He's gonna be fighting on PFL and ESPN relatively soon. My good buddy Muhammad Del Reese. What's going on, Muhammad? Yo yo, what's going on, Dave? How you been? How you been, brother? How you been living? I've been good, man. I've been uh, recuperating a little bit. Now I'm, I'm training, you know, getting ready for my fight August 8th. And uh, this promotion I'm putting together here July 6th in Melbourne, man. So I'm just staying busy. Very good. So, so Muhammad, I want to make an introduction. So my cousin Sean, big fan. He, he's been following the sport of MMA. And uh, my cousin Sean, uh, this is my buddy Muhammad. He's one of the first guys ever to promote Dream Elite and to help out my brand. So, Muhammad, me, Sean, Sean, me, Muhammad. Well, I appreciate that, fam. What's up, Muhammad? 
Tell him, man, man, you know, you guys good people, man. Um, and when, he, when he was first starting out, and um, that's back when, you know, I was, you know, just taking this, this thing seriously. And, you know, he, he was he was doing a lot to, to put the podcast out there. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. You know, we're growing this together. So, yeah, I like so that, man. That's, so, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, man. So, Mohammed, so since we last spoke, so you came out with podcasts after you won The Ultimate Fighter. And you guys sent there. Yep. But, like, you fought in, like, uh, the World Series of Fighting. You fought in Professional uh, Fighters League. And you beat, like, Mike Kyle. You fought, um, beat, like, I, I think his name was, like, Leroy Johnson. And, like, you started running through the fucking talent on the professional uh, the professional uh, league. So, like, what what has been going on with you since we last spoke in 2016? You know, man, just, you know, around that time, it was a, a lot – it was the beginning of, of the drought when it came to, you know, me fighting. Uh, after I was fighting, it was hard for me to get fights. You know, and I and I was trying to work and, and still have time to train, waiting for the call, never get the call. You know, and I finally started reaching out to promoters myself, and um and ended up reaching out to Ray Seifold from the PFL, and he contacted me back uh, twice on short notice fights, and I went out there and, and did what I've been doing, you know, my whole career, uh, on on the main stage. Um, that was on uh, I believe Facebook watching uh WBC Sports Deal. And, um, you know, I went out there and showcased my talents, and they, they wasn't sure they was even going to sign me. You know, at first, you know, we would talk about trying to get signed for that first season of the PFL, but a manager told me just to sit and wait. And so I sat and wait, and then they ended up going with a guy who was active. Actually, my man is uh, Alex Barr Nicholson. You know, they ended up picking him up, and I, you know, I asked my manager, hey, you know, we was on the – we talking to them before. What happened? He said, oh, yo, he's been active. He's been fighting. And I go, yo, you told me not to be active. I could have got fights. You know, I started actually not reaching out, you know. And so, you know, they ended up giving me those short notice calls toward the end of the year, you know, and they saw what they missed out on. So, you know, they, they got me back for the season. Yeah, man. Sean, you got a question? No, nah, see, I, in that sense, Mohamed, I give you a lot of credit when, you know, the up-and-comer fighter mentality, the drought, it, it happened with my buddy in the in the amateur wrestling aspect. You get to this, you get to this moment where you know stuff dries up a little bit, and you have to you have to pursue, adjust, and adapt your your whole strategy, and go go find those fights, go find those promotions. And the short notice, my question is the short notice. What, how short notice of fights was it like for you? Was it like, you like, hey, are you gonna fight in a week? And you're like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, it was three weeks for both of them. Um, oh, that's they, not bad. They call, three, three weeks, yeah, so, yeah, it was three weeks. So usually, I mean, you try to get like we try to get a month and a half at least. But you know, whatever it is. But like, I, when I fight an amateur, I fought every month. So you know, it was no big deal for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but it was, it was crazy though, because at that time, that was the time when I was thinking, you know, if I don't get nothing, I'm gonna have to hang it up because it's been over. It's been about three years since I fought. So I was like, you know, if 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 I'm not gonna get nothing, then you know, then then you know, I wasn't in the greatest shape at the time. I was in good shape because I constantly been working and improving my my te- te- technique, but I wasn't really in full camp mode like I am now and stuff because I was a lot and then missing work and then never get a fight and then have to catch up on bills. So I'll go work with different jobs and then come back to training again, hope preparing for a fight and it fall through and then it was like, dang, you know, you know, I have three kids. You know, and a, and a fiance, so like, you know, I, I, I can't not, you know, have work yeah. coming to me. So it was hard juggling that and to finally get the call. It was like, you know what, 
I don't care. This is my opportunity. You know, I prayed on it, and uh, this is the answer. You know, he called me. I said, I said, I need to find something soon. He called me within a couple of weeks, and I said, you know what? Let's do it. Good for you. You know what? And, and you know what I loved about you, Muhammad? Like, when, when – and I – I thought of it as a bad idea, and I, I just want to be honest with you because, you know, I, we're friends. So, of course, I, I care about you as a human being. But, like, so you, you, you were promoting fights, and you promoted very successful events for uh, Momoso Fighting Championships, which is in, in Florida. It's a very, very professionally ran event. So, like, when, when you were coming back to uh, PFL, it was, like, 2018, and I remember you were fighting uh, Leroy Johnson. I'm like, holy shit, a three-year layoff. I mean, I, I, I hope he does well and, and just doesn't look good. But you finish him in the first round, and then you're getting another fight a couple months later. I think it was, like, two months later, and you're uh-huh. going to fight against Mike Kyle. Yeah, and I, I'm like, holy shit, it's going to be Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle is no joke whatsoever. Again, you finish him in the first round. So, like, do you feel like in the layoff it was the best – possible scenario for you where you can get your mind right, you can get your your, your conditioning right, your training right, and you're getting these short-term fights, and you're, these short-notice fights, but you're finishing these top-level guys. Like, do you think, think that was the best, uh, best scenario for you? Yeah, well, I mean, it gave me time to, you know, around that time as well, we decided to, you know, fight a heavyweight. We, we, we wanted to check what my body wanted to do because it was hard for me to get down the last two cuts I did to get to 205, you know, did a toll on me. You know, it was almost I almost didn't make both of those times. And uh, so we said, you know, see what our body does when we lift and when we actually, you know, you know, take some protein here and there. Because I didn't touch it at all or touch weights because I knew I would, I would gain weight. So I started lifting hard, and I got up to about 248 one time. And I was like, yo, if I can keep this, you know, then, you know, I'll think about it. And then uh, when I started adding the MMA training, I, I ended up being around 2.30, and this was probably in the first year and a half of that layoff. And then uh, I thought I kept training and lifting, training and lifting, and eating, and then my body, you know, started averaging out at 2.40, you know, and I was like, you know what, hey, I told myself, if I can, if I can weigh consistently 2.40 plus and, and feel good, then I'm going to fight like that. And it, what it was before, when I was cutting 205, I would be in training camp, and I'll be getting ready before my cut. I'll be about 2.30 looking really good. You know, same thing with the Ultimate Fighter training camp. I look awesome at 2.30. And the fight before that, I look awesome at 2.30. And I go and I start cutting weight. And then now I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have enough juice. You know what I mean? And so now I just yeah. feel, I feel healthier. I feel like, you know, I can, go, I can run my run and come back and eat. You know what I mean? I'll go lift weights and come back and eat. I don't have to sit there and do all the stuff and then, and then not eat anything and stuff like that. So it's like the Anthony Johnson rule. Yeah, you know, yeah Anthony, yep. Anthony Johnson was a welterweight, was all skin and bones, and then you know he eventually he's like, I can't do this anymore. Moved up to light, mm-hmm. moved up to light heavyweight, and just destroyed the game in that a couple of years. He was doing that. Oh yeah, and Rumble Johnson too. If you remember, Rumble Johnson was trying to cut cutting down to one seventy. That's unbelievable. He said, you know, I can't do this no more. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> My body can't do this. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's unhealthy, too, you know. Oh, yeah. And when he was fighting 205, I remember I met him back in 2012. And um, oh, I cool. met him down, down there and, uh, with the Black Zanes. I went and trained with uh, Tiago Silva, Alistair Green, um, and then and him. But he was he was hurt at the time. He had a broken hand. And he was walking around like 230. And I was in my head. I was like, how did he ever make 170? Like, 
He was a huge dude. Like he wasn't like walking around at two oh five. This man was cutting down from two two thirty on a heavy day to get there. So, you know, I was like, man, I was so I'll be out here, man. But yeah, man, once once you once you realize, man, that uh, you know, you go you wanna fight where your body wants to be at, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, and you can't and especially with my weight class because it's either two or five or two sixty five. So, you know, it's a big it's a big ass gap. So it's like, do I kill myself and try to go down or just eat a little more and lift and, and train and then, you know, walk around with two forty five, two fifty and then go bump. So your last fight, you came to New York, which I, I'm 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 kicking myself in the ass because I, I wish I saw you. And with work yeah. and everything like that, and, and and going back to what you originally said, where, where work gets in the way, all this these light things get gets in the way. I, there was no way I was able to make it to Nassau Coliseum, and I felt guilty too because I got press credentials and I want to come to support you. And you're you're my main yeah. focus. I was going to go for anybody fucking else, but in that yeah. fight, you know, what do you think? And especially from a professional, a guy who's been undefeated for so long, a double champion. Uh, a guy who's been running through everybody. Like, what do you think went wrong in that fight? Uh, so I slipped up, man. He capitalized it, man. I started off the way I wanted to start off. I started uh, finding a couple openings that I, that I saw I can, you know, capitalize. I saw he was giving me his leg. You know, he wasn't really checking it uh, the right way. So I was like, you know what, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a break his leg eventually. Like, he's going to land like this and then set up with something big. And uh, then I end up, you know, tying up and having to get the cage. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna keep work. I'm still gonna work his legs from here. I thought landing some legs, some, some knees to the leg. Uh, so hopefully I can set up to the body and to the head. And uh, and then I remember I heard the referee saying something about, okay, start so, start so working takedown to separate you, whatever. And then I was like, oh, I'm like where I'm at, but you know, let me see just what the takedown. I was like, and when I went to take him down, I was like, okay, I'm good. And I got sloppy. I left myself open for Kamora. I didn't expect for him to be able to finish it from there, but um, he ended up, you know, he lashed on for. for for, uh, put all his focus in, in the landing that man, and he he did an excellent job transitioning when I started to scramble, and uh, he took advantage of my mistake. Yeah, man. So it, it, it's it's so weird because like submissions come out of nowhere, and, and especially like I know from my fighting experience and everything like that, just like you know, submissions will come out of nowhere, and you're like, oh shit, you're in this this one moment and one false move. So like, what have you learned, especially from that fight? And I. I still say to this day, Muhammad, I still say you're the better fighter. And I said that since this fight was announced, that you're the better fighter. But, like, what can you take away from that one mistake going into your next fight, which obviously is a comparable, uh, comparable opponent uh, going into August? Mm-hmm. So what do you, what's your takeaway? Yeah. You know, and, and again, I'll, I'll give respect to respect to, respect to, to Kevin, Kevin Taylor and, and coming and, and executing. But, yeah, I, I definitely believe I'm the better fighter, man. You, you know, you make mistakes. And you got to learn from it, and you know, hopefully, you know, I get a chance to see him again in the playoffs. Um, you know, what I learned, what I learned from that man, just you, you, you have to, you have to, you can't make mistakes, you can't make mistakes, man. You got to make limited mistakes possible. And uh, and and you know, on my takedown, you know, we just work on a couple of adjustments to make sure I don't leave my hand out again in that certain situation. It's, it's not even it's a blue belt move, you know what I mean? That I shouldn't have to defend anyways. And uh, I got caught slipping. I got I got kind of excited on the takedown with the transition, put my hand on the mat, and got snatched up. Um, you know, so really just you know don't make that mistake again, and uh, and continue to get better. You know, I'm 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 uh, we teamed up with uh, 
elite Muay Thai, uh, Dom Sudyard, who's a, uh, who's a great Muay Thai instructor. He's been, been training people for years. I believe he goes and spars with uh, Cowboy Cerrone to get him ready for this fight. So, you know, we, st- we stepped up our Muay Thai training and, and we uh, and continue to, you know, uh, get better at the Cool. Sean? No, yeah, I was just I was just listening listening to that and it's you know, blessings can come in the form of negative moments, you know, you you you, you have a fraction of a second to adjust, I'll say it again to adjust and, and adapt and unfortunately it didn't work out in your favor. However, that that moment could turn could could turn a new chapter, could turn the page and could make you just that much more better going forward, you know. So yeah, and it definitely lights a fuse under my ass, you know, every time I'm training. <laughs> so work yeah. push through any kind of anytime I'm sitting there like, oh man, I'm ready to, to stop. It's like nah. <laughs> nah, you gotta you gotta yeah. keep pushing. Yeah, oh, you ain't trying to you ain't trying to go out like that again, like, you get your ass up and keep keep running. Get your ass yeah. up, keep drilling. Keep rolling. Keep moving you know, forward. And it's like a it's like a damn oven in the gym too. It's, there's no AC pumping in that gym too, so we in there. Sweating, we had a gee, we had rolling the gee today, boy. That was, whoo. I, I remember those days. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, Muhammad, so me and Sean both wrestled. So we 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 don't we definitely remember those days. And like, what what was it like, um, especially transitioning? Because I I remember the back in the day where you would just take down people, they were overwhelmed, and you fucking smash people. Like, so like transitioning from like a wrestler where where everything was just set up to take down. Everything was just uh, overwhelm people and now becoming mm-hmm. a full complete fighter. Was it a hard process? Was it like an easy process? How 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 would you feel was the process to something that you know that you're good at and I know you're good at and everybody knows you're good at to becoming a complete fighter. Well, it just, it, it it definitely added to my to my game especially um you know that a lot of people didn't know Leading up to this, that wrestling came later. I started taekwondo, karate when I was younger. So my, my stand-up always was pretty good. It's just that wrestling was so useful. You know, when I learned it, because you understand when you, you stand-up, you always end up in the clinch. Boxing matches, Muay Thai, kickboxing matches, you end up in the clinch. The thing about MMA is the referees coming to break you up. So, you know, now that we're clinch, this turns to wrestling with me. I'm clinch, I'm, I'm, I'm attacking you. I'm going to see if you can stop my takedown. And I have a really, really, really good takedown. So a lot of times people couldn't stop it. And if I could take down and, and beat on you, I wouldn't have to take no damage. So, like, it was I would stand and bang. You, usually people would grab me because I will hit them. And then I will usually throw a hip toss. And a lot of, like, I don't really shoot. So it's always hip toss or some kind of throw. And um, and I end up getting a takedown. I end up on top smothering them. And it's worked out to my advantage. So, you know, I stick with it. But naturally, naturally, I like to stand and bang. And if you can make me respect and your takedown defense, then I'll probably stay there for the most of the night. But a lot of I have so much success with my wrestling that it's you know almost foolish for me not to implement it. Cool man. And what's the strategy going to the next fight? Oh, uh, you know we're gonna go out there, you know, fill them out. Um, you know, work work my my you know normal attack. You know, see if I can find an opening on the on the feet. You know, um, and you know I can get a little more into it, but you know I'm not trying to do all that. You know, give him a plan, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna test him out. And if he if he can if he can uh, last not being knocked out on our feet, and we you know end up engaged in the clinch, you know, I would check his ground out. Uh, from watching his last fight, you know, he had difficulty dealing with uh, the guy he wrestled. But even though the guy was an ex Olympian wrestler, I believe, 
or was if he was or something like that, uh, national wrestler or something. So the guy was a good wrestler. He didn't really transition anything with any jiu-jitsu or anything like that. He kind of pinned it down. But, you know, I like to advance my position. That's one thing I, I took from jiu-jitsu uh, from, from wrestling. Uh, I learned the wrestling transition uh, before the pin. Same thing with uh, jiu-jitsu. You know, I would try to get a dominant position. Now that I know the jiu-jitsu position is about uh, me on belly, full mount, you know, side control, you know, and, and implement. And, and, and I usually go, I, just, I like to go for the ground and pound more than the submission. You know, I like to beat on you until you don't want no more. And then usually people tap from that or or I'll get unconscious. So it works for me. If I can get that. Well, we want to finish. That's the, that's the plan. That's, if anything, you want to finish. Whatever round it comes, you want to finish. You don't want. Yeah. You don't. I mean, we want to win, obviously, but we want to finish. That's the plan. We're going out there to finish, and uh, you know, if I don't finish, and you know, I still want to win, but we, we really want to get this finish. Man, we just trying to make sure we we in control of our own destiny. Damn right, Sean. Any last questions for uh, Muhammad Del Rio? Yeah. All right. So after you win this fight, Muhammad. So I I worked <laughs> next to the stream, and it brought back it brought back a question that you know was always asked. You know, so I work next to the stream, and there's a family of ducks there. You know, every time I walk to work, I see it. it it's it's kind of it's kind of adorable. However, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Oh man! <laughs> uh, one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Go. Jeez, one horse-sized duck. Or a hundred. If you can imagine that. I, that. How is the ratio of the power index of a horse still as strong when the ducks are? <laughs> there we go. Hey, good, good luck to you, Mohammed. Though it was it was nice to talk to you. I can see why Dave holds you in, in you know high regards, and I can I can see why you hold Dave in high regards. I've known him for 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 a little bit, and uh, you know it was a pleasure pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to hearing from you. All right, thank you, brother. You know, hopefully I can wake up with you next time I'm, I'm up in that area. Are you are you in New York as well? Yeah, I'm well, in the Bird County area. Okay, so you sound like yeah, you're from Rhode Island. Okay, cool. Yeah, we definitely got to have a yeah. pop up. I told David I wanted to link up with him, so I got we definitely all got to link up next time I'm up there. It should yeah, be in the fire. I thought I thought cool. we we're gonna be slaying these white women. I thought we we're gonna like literally be like going out partying and everything like that. And then I, I didn't know. So like I didn't know what your schedule was. I didn't know like what you, what we were gonna be doing or if we we're gonna be like what what your schedule was like. So that that's all my fault. But like next time you're uh, so so with the PFL, you're coming up to uh, is it New Jersey, New York? Where are you coming up to? Atlantic City. I'm coming up to Atlantic City on the eighth, and then you know when I when I march my way to the finals, it'll be at Madison Square Garden. So you know hopefully you'll be seeing me at Madison Square Garden New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. And my family's your family. So, like, obviously, you're more than welcome crashing my pack, crashing Sean's. We're, we're, we're you know, we we all support each other. So, uh, yeah, and, and one question. Hell yeah, man. And, and before I let you go, um, so in this tournament, obviously, you have major players. So, PFL is ran by Ray Seppo, who ran the World Series of Fighting. He's the figurehead. He's a legend. And he has a plethora of talent. So, do you see anybody, in your professional opinion, uh, do you see anybody that's a good matchup for you, or is there anybody that you want to fight and say, this is the guy that's going to make my mark in this tournament or make this mar- my mark in this promotion? Who's, who's the guy that you want to fight? 
Well, well, I mean, right now I gotta I gotta go against this next guy, man. That's my next market coming up with Ross. So the biggest fight right now for me is this next one. But the biggest to me is gonna be the rematch with Tiller, man. I gotta get that one back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I gotta get that one back, man. Uh, but 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 honorable mention to a guy that I really really think will be that guy to fight and beat is Ishii. Yeah, that would be actually yeah, a good Ishii. fight. That'll be the war right there. I believe that'll be a great fight to have. He, I watched him his fight. He's he's a smart fighter. He uh, he has good conditioning. He can last him later around. Um, he can push the pace because his, his wrestling. He knows he can walk forward because he has strong wrestling. And uh, you know, I, I'm excited to watch it. And, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, overly impressed by his his striking, but he can he can bang. And uh, and he definitely you know can can grapple. So I, I'm excited to watch. It. I'm excited for that fight. You know, to happen. But he can't stand up quite like you. And I, I, I say that with everybody in this tournament that, like, it, isn't that, it, it's just not biased because you're my friend, but I just say you're the best guy in this tournament. And I, I think, in all due respect to Mr. Keller, I, I, always, I always maintain that you're the best fighter. But, like, any last words or anything you can say or what to expect in this tournament or going forward? Man, just disrespect the, the um, you know, I came out the last fight with a lot of energy. Uh, expect to see a lot of the same energy, if not more. You know, we're working hard over here to to make sure my my my, my stamina can last that type of uh, outing. You know, and if you can make it out the first round, then power to you. You're gonna be you're gonna be dinged up. You're gonna you're gonna be swollen up because uh, I'm I'm letting it out. You better be a know how to deal with it because I'm I'm coming out high volume. I'm coming out to, to finish the fight, and uh, it's gonna be exciting. Very good. Hey, Mohamed, you know, you're I'm Mikase Tsukasa. When you come up here, I can't wait to see you. We're, we're, I'm going to plan this in advance so I know your arrival. I'm going to take off from work. We're going to make this happen. I'm going to be your hype guy. I'm going to be your flavor flake. So when you get up here, I can't wait to see you. We can do the, uh, we can do all the social media, the Snapchat, the, the podcast. We can do the whole thing. Yes, sir. Instagram. Absolutely. I'm your guy. I'm your hype man. I'm your guy. So, Muhammad, it's always an honor. I love you. I can't wait to see you fight in, in August in my neck of the woods. We're all rooting for you. Everyone in New Jersey is rooting for you. I'm your friend. I'm going to be right behind you. I can't wait to see you fight. Muhammad, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, brother. Man, I love being on your show. And uh, shout out to everybody. Uh, my man, David, is the man. He's been holding it down, wrapping around pound for pound in his town. You already know he with a crowd. Let's go. <laughs> You're the man. All right, thank you so much, Muhammad. All right, peace. All right, peace out. My boy, Muhammad. Not bad. Yeah, he's not bad at all. Yeah, I'm surprised he could tolerate you for that you know, for, for that many years. I thought yeah, I was the only one that could do that. It's fucking crazy, man. But like, <laughs> him and I go way back. Like, so like, Dream Elite. So everyone knows it now. Like Dreamweek's killing it with sales, and we're selling event tickets and everything like that. Back in the day, things weren't so high. I was in, uh, I was an authorized retailer for like Everlast and Bad Boy and all these. But like with wholesale prices, you know, you you can't make much profit. But like yeah. Mahamo Del Reese was the very first really good fighter to say, you know what, I'm gonna put your promotion on my back. I'll support you. Let me help you out. And, and in turn, when when I got Dream League back up and running, and like by 2014, wait, wait, so, by 2003, yeah. So he wore your apparel to like fights and stuff. 
Yeah, so so Wow. He he was he was my very first guy that I promoted. Because he promoted my brand, it was like a vice versa thing, and shit, I didn't have any money because I was running dry with his company. But like, so he was the fir- first guy to promote my business and promote Dream Elite, and I promoted him in turn. So like, he he and in Florida, he's a big name, so it get put on the level. So like, people were from Florida were buying from my website, even though I wasn't making much money from and it. You, and you saw the regional sales of what. What just his little bit of name brand, you, you saw where the sales were coming from, and you saw the Florida it, sales get a little bit of an uptick. It was all coming from Florida in 2013 that's until true. I made my own gear, which when I made my own gear, that's when Dream Elite, we actually turned a profit. Crazy enough, because I was on the verge of bankruptcy. I gave it, I gave it about seven or eight months. With, with, and I talked to Patty about this, my big sister Patty, but like when I was looking for another apartment and everything like that, and I wasn't going to return to work until I got Dream Elite up and running. But, like, Patty's like, you're going to have to give this up because you're on the verge of fucking bankruptcy. And it was sleepless nights. Like, I, I landed in the hospital from sleepless nights from Dream Elite. And Patty had to drive me to the fucking hospital from Dream Elite. And I'll tell you that much. But, like, I, I, I contracted a factory in, in, um, in Sleek Lock, Pakistan, made my own gear. And that one holiday season turned a profit and all my losses were recuperated and guess where most of the sales came from? Um just guess. And most of the sales came from Florida. Exactly. Bingo. Yeah. You know, he and that's why I recruit most of the profits and everything like that and that's how Dream League got back up and running. So mom is my day one. So that you know I'm I'm supporting him him to the day I die because he he put my, my brand on. So yeah, shout out to that guy. That's what well, just just talking to him. I never met met, met the dude before, but you can you can you can just tell by people's you know mentality when they're talking. You know, and the fact he puts you on his back like that that's 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 a lot of class and respect right there. And vice versa, man. When he was on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, I was the one guy supporting him every step of the way. When he went to PFL and everything like that. And we always kept in communication too. Like we we're always messaging back and forth. We we're always talking back and forth. So like he's a true friend and a true a, a true friend of my brand. So shout out to Muhammad. But uh, in about five minutes, we're gonna bring on the legend himself, John Fitch. And I don't want you to get a boner just yet because you know you you know a, a little thing or two about John Fitch. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so John you know. Fitch. For for the casual listener, John Fitch is one of the biggest legends in the game. You know, he he's one of the, one of the greatest welterweights the sport has ever produced. And he ran you know, through people. Yeah, he he's an ama- He was a D one wrestler. He you know he he fought George St Pierre. I mean, George St Pierre back in the day was untouchable, and he still went. The distance with George St. Pierre. I mean, this guy. Yeah, what did he get? What the distance? Five rounds. Yeah. And back in the day, and I don't think people realize this too, because people have it good now with like YouTube or anything, but like back in the day, in order for you to get your fix when it comes to like um, MMA or anything like that, you had to do tape trading. And uh, I, you know, when I, when I talked to John, I said the, the, the first fight I ever saw was my mom ordering a bunch of tape. And you know my mom, but like my mom ordered a bunch of tape. Yeah, my mom ordered a bunch of tapes, and it was a fight between him and Mr. International, Shawnee Carter. And he beat Shawnee Carter, and this is back in the day where Shawnee Carter 
was a guy who floored Matt Sarah. You know, it was, it, yeah. he he landed on my radar right away. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I I gotta look. If you have those tapes, you know, you you gotta bring that over one day because I I don't remember watching that one, but uh, but yeah, just 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 seeing you know, and, and the style of fighter is you know he was walk walk on walk on wrestler, and not even just a walk on wrestler. The conference he wrestled in was it's second to none. He wrestled he wrestled he wrestled in the Big Ten. So I mean, wrestling people from Iowa, from Michigan, you know, all these top tier programs, and he's a, he's a walk on, you know, and he did and he did fantastic in college wrestling too. So I mean, well, look at the names he beat. He beat Sago Everett. He beat Diego Sanchez. He beat Chris Wilson. He beat. Um, uh, Paulo Sago, I, I believe Eric Sylvia, when Eric Sylvia was considering the next big thing, he beat Paul Daly, he's beaten Jake Shields, he's beaten Yushin Okami, I mean, Dennis Hallman, I mean, he's beaten the who's who of the game. He, he's a yeah, goddamn he, he legend. My, my, my favorite fighter, you know, the nightmare, Diego, you know, Diego Sanchez. I remember watching that fight, and I just kind of, kind of cut my dreams a little bit right there. Was he really your favorite fighter, Diego Sanchez? He's 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 a, he, just just the way he went into fights. I mean, like you cannot, and and that that he just battles, man. He he stands in the pocket and trades and has no remorse. He's reckless abandon in a fighter, and yeah, you, you, you gotta you gotta appreciate that, you know. It's it's he, he he's he's yeah. nuts, you know. But but yeah, watching that fight, it's, you know, dude. Crazy, that's why that's why John ran through everybody. I mean, he ran he. Truly, all, all those big name fighters. That was the era, you know. He just shot up the ranks one by one, picked them off until he got the GSP, and unfortunately, it didn't go his way. But I mean, GSP is, you know, GSP. The dude's uh, unreal. And, and and back in the day too, like he 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 was dominant. He he had two moves. He had a jab. He had a takedown, and he just held you there for five rounds. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I as a wrestler. As a wrestler, you love watching that. You know, it's maybe it's not yet. Yeah, maybe it's not the most entertaining. I don't care if you that doesn't appease to you, but I I I love the wrestling aspect. Don't get taken down. End of story. Those are the rules. I remember being over James Zaffron House, and if he's listening, I remember we were all at James Zaffron House, all rooting for John Fitch to fucking beat George St. Pierre because he. Uh, back in the day, you know what? George St. Pierre was goddamn boring, to be honest with you. I wasn't was a huge fan of Russ back in the day, to be honest, too. Also, also, I, I, I always loved the wrestlers, too, you know. So if he went up against any wrestler, you know, obviously, I'm like, yeah, that guy better win. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a huge Russ fan back in the day, either. I respect yeah, him. Yeah. I respect how good he is. But growing up, he wasn't my cup of tea. Who... Who were your we we got a minute before before Mr. Fitz yeah. comes on, but like who are your favorite fighters? Especially uh, I don't even know when you got into MMA, but who were your favorite fighters? There's not a lot of like said, 50 seconds. Clay Guida, Clay Guida, Diego Sanchez, Koscheck, um and now obviously the notorious um that one fight Matt Sarah did I just started following him after that and you know, he's a great trainer. Um yeah, those 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 are the big ones for me. The Koscheck, Sanchez, and Guida. Hmm. It's a very good list. I'm still on Sakuraba, to be honest with you. Yeah. Sakuraba, 
yeah, the old school guys, Sakuraba, uh, of course, John Fitch, which I brought. Oh, Tank Abbott. Can't forget Tank Abbott. Well, Tank Abbott was a killer back in the day. Wow. Can't forget Tank Abbott, man. That dude was a monster. Back in the day, he was crazy. Tank Abbott, Jesus. That's the name that brings him back. Wow. Yeah, I can't forget that dude. Remember when he fought? Remember when he fought Frank Muir and he ran to a brick wall when <laughs> Frank Muir just yeah. beat the crap out of him? Frank oh Muir, Frank Muir had those nice. Frank Muir had a nice little run of his own, you know. Dude, dude, yeah. I thought dude was like he. I thought he was untouchable. Uh, yeah, but absolutely. nobody is untouchable, especially in MMA. It takes only a punch. It takes only like a one false move. And, and by the way, we have the great one himself. So UFC. Bellator MMA veteran, MMA pioneer, and again, one of the best welterweights of all time, Mr. John Fitch. John, how you doing, my friend? Yeah. What's going on, David? How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Uh, sounds a little bit not clear. Hi, um, can you call back? Um, okay. All right, let me. It's not, it's... Yeah, it sounds a little bit not clear. Hold on one second. I'm so sorry. Okay. So technical no difficulties. Hey, John, I'm going to call you right back, all right? Okay. So, John, unfortunately, has technical difficulties. He's calling from California. So, I'm going to give my boy a call. Lucky dude, he's like, he's like, he's like my sister Sarah now in California. Mm-hmm. Hey, John? Hey, John. All right, we're having technical difficulties. God damn. Okay. He recently just had a fight, right? 2018. Yeah, hello? Hey, John, how you doing? I'm good. Is that sounding better? Yeah, that's 100,000 <laughs> times better. All right, cool. Hey, the legend himself, John Fitch, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Having a uh, a good day um, with the kids. Just got back from a, a, a long trip yesterday, so uh, feeling good. Very cool. And um, so I I see on your Facebook, and I I've been following you, and especially with an amazing career, and you're giving back to the sport in so many different ways with seminars and helping out the kids. So coming off an amazing fight in your last outing at Bellator against a top level guy like Royal Donald. So what have you been up to since then? Um, you know, I I only had about, after that fight with Rory, I only had about two weeks uh, to fatten up and be a little bit lazy. <laughs> and they called back um, with wanting me to be ready for uh, the Neiman Gracie fight because they were not sure where Rory was and whether or not he was going to show up for the fight. So I went back into training camp uh, two weeks after that original fight with Rory, and I... Uh, was ready to go. They flew me out to New York. I made weight, um, and I was I was ready to fight uh, that night. So that's what I've been doing mostly since then. Uh, after their fight on the 14th, I, I went back to Indiana and, and finished up a little vacation time uh, with my family back then. And then, uh, you know, I taught that seminar. My buddy Moe's Gym, Rhino's Gym in Lafayette, Indiana. 
and um, just got back last night here to California, and I'm, I'm working on closing on a, uh, a new townhouse. So things are good. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. Sean. Thank you. It's it's, uh, it's a little pain in the ass, but uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Very cool, man. Sean, you have a question? Yeah, what was it like, John? Like you said, you got that call two weeks later, and you had to – basically turn over just I, I had to lose five pounds and a half hour one time for a state wrestling tournament just making weight when you hop onto that scale and you just see that number after after a, a little turnover like that just what's going through the head like you're walking to the scale and you're yet you have to make that weight and you just see that number what's going through your head at that moment uh i mean knowing that i was going to get paid uh yeah, makes, that's just, makes, it, makes it a lot easier knowing that there's going to be a check in the mail yeah. uh you know, makes things pretty easy uh, when you're 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 making the weight. But um, man, like it was a little a little little bit of a panic when I got the call two weeks after because uh, I went from you know weighing in on a Friday morning at 170 or 169.8 or nine or whatever <laughs> to two weeks later I weighed myself I was 213. So uh, <laughs> I was like, ah shit. What? So I had to get back on my diet. I didn't eat a carb for like two weeks, week and a half, um, just to get myself back into like the 195 training camp weight. Um, but yeah, I did it. Yeah, I put it in a good camp. It was a little bit different, modified because you know uh, I just gotten out of a fight. But um, you know I was ready to go, and then I made the weight. It was a little bit harder than usual because you know I didn't have my corner. I didn't have the things that I normally have um, with me. Uh, out there in New York, so you know I had to do a little bit more work the morning of the weigh-ins than I have the last few, uh, the last five fights. But you know I got the job done. I'm a pro, so I got it handled. And then the check comes in the mail. And the check was in the mail when I got back last <laughs> night. Very yeah, cool. So I'll be, I'll do, I'll be depositing that tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I was joking around. Uh, I was joking around with my cousin. This is my cousin Sean, by the way. So I was joking around with him because my mom, back in the day, you know, YouTube, everyone has it good because YouTube can see any type of fight you want. But back in the day, you had to do tape trading. So, like, and I was joking around with you where my first yeah. exposure to Don Fitch was you fighting uh, Mr. International, Shawnee Carter, from, from yeah. like an old tape he picked up. And, yeah, and that's how I became a fan. And you came in the UFC. I'm like, awesome. oh, shit, I know John, I know John Fitch. Like, I saw him fight, like, back in the day. But, like, since you since leaving the UFC in 2013, you beat yeah, the likes of Okami. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, it's it. No, no. I mean, yeah, it's wild to think about how far the sport's gone. Because, like, I mean, when I first started out, we would drive. Me and Brian Eversall would drive to a place where we heard there were going to be fights. <laughs> like, we didn't have a training camp. We we didn't cut weight. Like, we didn't know if there was anything going to be there for us to fight. We would just show up and be like, yeah. "Hey, <laughs> like we got somebody to match us up with." We'd we'd step on a bathroom scale in some shitty motel room uh, and uh, bathroom, and then the guy'd be like, "All right, yeah, I got a guy close to your weight." <laughs> and then it's crazy. Go and fight. I fought. I fought in my in, in uh, Minnesota once, and I fought. The crowd liked it. I finished the guy, and the promoter runs over to me as I'm getting ready to take my gloves off. He's like, "Stop! Stop! Stop!" Leave your gloves on. I got another fight for you if you want it. <laughs> so he's like, I got another I got another guy for you to fight. I'll give you a hundred bucks. 
I looked up. I looked at Ebersol, and I was like, I, I don't know, man. I kind of only mentally prepared to fight one time. And Ebersol looks at me and goes, if you don't do it, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he hadn't even like we were getting him ready to go fight his first fight and he's like if you don't do it I'm gonna do it so I was oh like all right screw it screw it let's do it I went out knocked one punch knocked the guy out he hits the ground I I jump on him and hit him again and when I hit him after he's already knocked out I broke my thumb on his on the back of his head or wherever the hell I hit him and uh, I ended up having to get like thumb surgery to get my thumb fixed. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was wild to say the least, so, you know? So, so Mr. Pitts, so like, and where I was going with this is, so you, from, from being a D1 wrestler, you adapted MMA like right off the bat. You went to the UFC, you being the likes of the, the, the who's who of the UFC division at the time, uh, landing in a title fight, you fought against GSP. And then since leaving the UFC in 2013, you've been in the legs of, like, Okami, Holman. You've been, I, I think it was Shields. You've been Foster, Daly. Mm-hmm. And then you finally won your long-awaited championship in World Series of Fighting, which, you know, long yep. over fucking due because you are literally one of the best welterweights of all time. So, like, how in your per- – because from a fan, it's, it's a different perspective, of course. But personally and professionally, how has life been post-UFC? Uh, rough. Um, I can't lie. Yeah. It's been rough. Like I've, I've taken major hits because of the stances I've taken, uh, over fighter rights. Mm-hmm. Um, if I would have just shut my mouth and not complained and been a good company guy, like I probably would have made, I'd probably be making, you know, two to two fifty uh, a fight flat rate, you know, fighting twice a year or something. That's, there's a good chance that that would be the, you know, the case, uh, be a millionaire, multimillionaire, uh, if I would have done that. And, um, but it just wasn't right to me to me, not just me be treated like that, but other people being treated like that, the fighters being treated that way. Like it's extremely exploitative. And even before I really understood what the problem was in the sport, I knew something was wrong and something needed to be do about it. And I was going to speak up about it and, I didn't just complain because things were wrong for me. I, I complained and spoke up because things were wrong for everybody. I was looking around me and watching guys getting screwed over and passed over. And, you know, I warned a long time ago that the sport was looking and being treated like pro wrestling. Yet yep. uh, the outcomes weren't predetermined. And, you know, I come out later to find out that, you know, it is, it is modeled after pro wrestling. The UFC took WWE's business model and they copied it like the, the uh, merchandising stuff, like they just swapped out names off their contract. Like they use the actual blueprint of what WWE does. And that's, that's, uh, you know, I learned even later that that's illegal, that it's federally illegal. It's a conflict of interest. It's an antitrust violation. And that's why we filed a, uh, the class action lawsuit against them. Right. Right. And I remember back in the day too, when, um, especially with the UFC video game, I remember this, and I always respect mm-hmm. you for it. Where when it came to like rights and everything like that, you're like, no, 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 no. I, I'm, you know, we're gonna work out this deal. And, and I, I obviously, from a fan standpoint, I don't know it from your standpoint, and I don't want to, with all due respect, but I love how you stood your ground and said, no, 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 we're gonna work out this deal again. Was, was it somewhere, something like that, where you said we're gonna, you know, it, we're it was, work out they this want, deal. they they wanted to use image and likeness for the video game. Uh, exclusively, which means you, I wouldn't be able to use my image or likeness on any other video stuff ever. 
uh, and they wanted it indefinitely until they ended the contract, um, and they wanted to give you zero compensation for it. Your your compensation yeah. was the privilege of being allowed in their video game. And I was yeah, like, no. Yeah, and I was like, no. I was like, if uh, this happens and, like, I die or whatever, like, on top of that, too, like, there was no compensation for my family. Like, if, if the merchandising agreement stuff, if you died, like, it was written in the contract that your, your family wasn't entitled to any money from sales and merchandise after your death. Like, they no just way. absorbed it. From yeah. your name, too, which is, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, fuck this. Fuck all this. I was like, so all I asked was, like, can we put a 20-year time out on this? In 20 years, all these contracts are done. And they, they refused. They're like, oh, we can't make – they said they can't make special contracts. If we make a special contract for you, we've got to make a special contract for everybody. Well, like, dumbasses. Like, they don't think that other fighters talk and other managers talk. Like, we already knew that some fighters had gotten special contracts. Yeah. Like, like it, it was – and I wasn't asking for anything crazy. So, um, you know, that whole thing transpired over a 24-hour period. And I wasn't the only one who was pushing back, right? So, like, I get a lot of credit because, um, you know, I was the most public figure in that. But, like, I wasn't the only one pushing back. There was a lot of people who weren't signing or they were just silent and not getting back to the UFC and not sending contracts back. Like, nobody had really signed the contracts for the video game or merchandising agreements at all. Like, they only had a few people, and those few people that signed got special contracts. And... um yeah what happened was they decided to use me as an example, right? Because like none of this needed to go public. Like this disagreement, this conversation is nothing, nothing had to go to the public. Uh, the UFC is the one that, that decided to go to the press and release this. So they purposely did that to scare everybody else into signing the contracts. They, they wanted to take somebody like me who went eight, no undefeated, fought a great no. fight against the champion was fight of the night. Right, and then fired me because I wouldn't sign a contract. They wouldn't to make an example of me. Like there was no way you were getting around signing these contracts. It doesn't matter how good you were, what your name was, or how whatever. Right? <laughs> they wanted to make sure everybody knew that you do what they say or you're fired. And that's what they did. That's the point of why they came out with the article. That's why they went after that. That's they they had their 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 tack dog Kevin Ioli whatever come after me and interview me and I'm thinking this guy's trying to be sympathetic to fighters or whatever and no like I could tell like within the first couple minutes of the conversation like he was setting me up to like make me look bad um yeah. and it was all all part of what they were doing like they knew what they were doing and it worked they 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 fired me made it public and then they scared the shit out of a lot of guys that I guarantee um everybody signed in the next couple of weeks after that happened. So before Sean asks the question, then I just want to put this out there. So like when the Muhammad Ali Act came out, I, I was one of the biggest supporters of it, considering that not just a practitioner and a student, but like I'm also a fan. And you know, while you put these Reebok jerseys and Reebok clothing on people, these mm-hmm. are still human beings. You know, like it's just it, it's. Yeah, I have a different feeling when it comes but to fighters the, that they deserve to be supported. Well, the fighters, it's not, they're not just labor. They're not just the labor. They are the product. They're the product themselves. So yeah. for you not to give them uh, the clout that they deserve, like they are the product. They're what people are buying and selling, and you're not going to give them any power 
that's exploitation. You're exploiting these people. The fighters are more important than the promotion, 100%, 100% of the way. Nobody gives exactly. a shit about what the promoter's name is or who the promoter is. They care about the fighters. Nobody cares about who promoted Muhammad Ali. Nobody cares about what belts Muhammad Ali owned. Can you name his belts? Can you name what promoter he worked for? The, most people cannot. Unless you are a nope. diehard fan who knows that stuff and consumes that stuff, nobody gives a shit. They I'm care about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there are the people that do know, but like the the hard the, the majority of people don't, right? The hardcore fans do, but like most people, they don't care. They don't care. They care about the fighter. They care about what the fighter did and who he fought. They don't give a shit exactly. about what promoter he fought for and and what damn belt he won. Exactly, Sean. Yeah, and, and thank you, Dave. I'm just uh, that conversation. I'm just trying to wrap my head around, you know, the the whole likeliness using your name branding, not getting compensation <laughs> for it. Yeah. And on top yep. of that, if if something, God forbid, happens to you, like just the whole w, the the business the business aspect of it is something I never truly understood or agreed with. Like if something happens mm-hmm. to you, John, obviously, hopefully not. But then your family wouldn't be taken care of in that situation, you know. They, these are all, all, I feel like, you know, when it comes to all these promoters, you know, you guys are just spokes on the wheels to them. They just see, they just see dollar signs and they don't really care about the individual itself. I hope yep, new promotion that, that you've worked for, I hope now, now that you're not in, you know, the UFC, I hope promoters across don't share that same aspect. So have well, you worked for any problem. promotions that don't hold that same aspect of, uh, the whole like okay so here's the here's the problem right the problem is the the structure of the sport okay the baseline uh structure of the sport is corrupt all right so everything that happens upon that corrupt structure is corrupt after that so even if you are the best promoter the most kindest awesome most generous guy you're mm-hmm. still going to be operating under a corrupt premise because everything is rooted in corruption, right? The conflicts of interest of the promoter controlling exclusive contracts and the title. It's an antitrust violation. It's been talked about for hundreds of years. It's a problem. It's not supposed to happen. Uh, it's, it's something that prevents free flowing competition to happen and it needs to be eliminated. And that's something that happened in boxing a hundred years ago. Uh, and all these things, all these fighting sports used to be considered prize fighting and they were governed as prize yeah. fighting the same. It wasn't until later that they got chopped up and, and talked about in different ways. Um, but, yeah, so, like, in order to survive in a corrupt structure, you have to be corrupt. It's just the way it is. Right. So you have promoters will rank fighters according to how they're going to make money. It doesn't matter how good the fighter is. It doesn't have to do with merit base. Uh, the merit base is how much money can the promotion make off of you, and that's it. It's not about whether or not you are good at the sports. It's, it's only matters about what money they make off you. It's a production like pro wrestling or a television show. It's not a sport. It's not run like a sport. Yeah. You can tell after the, after the, the buyout that, uh, you know, when the Fertitas bought out, you can tell how much everything has changed when it comes to marketing, marketing the brand. Everyone's trying, like you see, well, you see Henry Cejudo, how he's trying to market himself so we yeah. can make, so we can make a little more dollars, you know? Yep, yep. It's it's become more about a show. marketing outside with shows. The marketing outside of the cage rather than the actual fights within the cage. 
Yes. That's starting to matter more. Like your social media following and who's checking you out outside of the cage is more important than what happens within the fight now. Yeah. And I, I and warned about I, this. I warned about this a decade ago. I was like, well, you know, what do you, what fight do you think would sell more? Uh, you know, George St. Pierre and whoever versus, or uh, uh, Brad Pitt versus George Clooney, which one would sell more tickets? Well, the <laughs> yeah, Brad exactly. Pitt, George Clooney, because people would want to see it more, but it doesn't mean it's a sport. It doesn't mean like, should we base the entire premise of the sport on that no like and it's perfectly fine if you want to have those freak show fights every once in a while but you have to have some baseline form of meritocracy and and the only real way to do that is to have a sanctioning body saying we have to introduce sanctioning bodies to the sport of mma whether or not you agree with ali act or not unless we have third parties controlling rank and title it's always going to be corrupt every problem that people bitch and moan about stems from the same issue promoters controlling rank and title uh, exactly, and and uh, Sean and I were joking about this before, but I remember being at James Afrin house, a, a good friend of mine. It was like twenty of us all rooting for you when you fought George St. Pierre, and all cheering every every step you made. We were all cheering for you, like we we want you to win the title so bad, and we I and I've right. always rooted for you every step of the way. So like you've been in the fight game, and it's like beyond all of that, you're you're uh, you're a goddamn legend, and, and nothing else matters. That you are a legend. You fought your your ass off every single fight, and every fight matters. And you, you're part of history. So like you've been in the fight game since 2002, a true veteran pioneer of the sport. And now I've heard like a mixed response, and I've heard it from you. But like, what is your opinion about the sport, which has evolved so organically, because MMA and fighting. It's part of our DNA. You know, I, I'm, I'm right at two people mm-hmm. where I believe anybody can fight, but, like, I respect the people that go to the gym to hone their craft. But, like, on their confines, how do you feel about the sport on their confines of publicly traded companies? You have Bellator, Valcom. You have UFC with WMG. Do you wish that the sport would, would go back to more simpler times, or do you feel now it's – like, what, what's your opinion on it? Like, No, I, th- I think it's – I think it's great, and it's great that it's growing. Um, but what, I mean, the reason it's growing is somewhat artificial, also, though. So, like, you have to understand what's going on with these big uh, companies getting into the game, uh, because right. the, the 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 sport is so exploitative. It's very advantageous for these companies to be involved in it, and the reason is um, with uh, um, with marketing and and advertising. Okay, people do not watch commercials anymore they won't watch them but commercials are the best way to sell things so advertisers need you to sit down and watch your commercials the only way they can get somebody to sit down and watch a commercial is through live entertainment right and sporting events are one of the best ways to get people to sit down and watch things through live entertainment the problem is every other sport in the world uh, is free market based <laughs> and the fight and the athletes make at least 50% of the revenue, right? That's not the case in MMA. So it makes more sense for these uh, conglomerate companies to get involved with MMA because they'll make a larger percentage of money off of the live events because they pay the fighters so much shit less money. So like what's happening is actually a threat to other professional sports. These other professional athletes need to wake up because so the fact that they're making real money cuts out from the uh, 
the sponsors and uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, wait, Alice. Sorry, my boyfriend just came in. Uh, it's okay. Um, but no, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, what was I just saying? You were talking about how they have to make it more uh, appealing to the fighters, where with advertising. Oh, oh, oh like okay. So. So yeah, so they pay pay the fighters so much less that that the, the corporations, Viacom's, whoever, like these companies, can make more money than if they put on a, a basketball game on their on their on their platforms. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right? Ra- rather than playing, okay, well, we need people to watch our commercials, so we need live entertainment. Well, if we do a concert, well, that that musician, he's going to get a big take of the revenue brought in. Okay, so let's not go with that. Okay, let's do a basketball game. Oh, okay, the, the basketball players, oh, they're going to get 50% or more of the revenue brought in. Okay, well, that's not enough. Oh, well, look, the UFC and these other, co- these other promotions, they only pay like 10 to 15% to the athletes. Yeah. Oh, shit, we can make so much more money on this. So they put, an M- they put MMA on instead of some other sport. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, uh, instead of a concert, instead of something else. And even though... There may be more viewership in the other sports or a concert. The the person putting on the show makes more money because the percentage is higher. Right. I mean, uh, wow, <laughs> that that just blew my mind. Wow. And, and that's one of the things that people don't know about. So like, uh, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, fighting's mainstream. It's really popular. People love it. Not so much. It has a lot more to do with money and the money flows and the people putting on the shows and how much money they're making. If if you were if you were a promoter and you promoted all types of different things and like you promoted a basketball game but you only made you know fifty percent versus you put throw put do a promotion of a, of an MMA show and you're making you know seventy five percent or or eighty eighty five percent like you're yeah. gonna go with the one you're making the larger percentage off of. So I I have a question for you. Um, so. Uh, before Sean gets to his question, but like, so beyond the business aspect, because obviously you know a lot about the MMA business, but inside the cage, obviously you have a long career. Your your, your portfolio speaks for itself. I mean, uh, to me, you're one of the greatest welterweights of all time, and to many people, you are. So you fought the biggest names, you fought the, at the biggest stages. So what is left? for you to possibly achieve? Like, what, what, are you, what else are you looking to accomplish? And, and I've always wondered that. From, from a guy like you and talking to an absolute legend and pioneer, so what, what, are you, what else are you looking to accomplish? You know, I mean, that, that's just it. I don't know if there's anything left for me to do in this, in this sport, um, in the cage at least. Um, I'm on the fence about whether or not I'm going to fight again. <clears throat> uh, it's possible. But, um, you know, money talks for one and titles talk. <laughs> so, you know, right. if they're going to offer me, if I'm offered a title shot against the winner of this welterweight tournament, Bellator, I, I'd be interested. Uh, I'd also be interested if they changed my, my contract and offered me flat fee to fight again. But, like, for right now, my contract, I'm, I'm sitting at, like, 63 to show, 63 to win. And that, that's not, that's not, that's not uh, motivating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could I could get a pencil pushing job doing sales or some other bullshit here in San Jose, uh, and make that kind of money, make show money, uh, you know, doing nothing, <laughs> right? 
So, like, why am I going to go bust my ass, lift weights, get punched in the face, do hard-ass cardio? Like, why am I going to do that? So the same shit I could do pushing pencils, you know. Uh, so it, something's got something's to change. The passion's not there. So I have other, other things that I'm interested in and some other ideas about stuff that do involve the sport, but, like, something outside of uh, the cage. Gotcha. Sean, you have a question? Yeah, yeah, dude. The whole conversation, I, I, I appreciate the the conversation. You shedding light on something that should have been shed up, you know, should should have been done years and years ago. A little off topic though, not the business aspect of it. You fought all these great fighters, you know, left and right, mowing mowing them down. If you can recall, who punched the hardest? If you had to name one name, John, who's the name that comes to mind first? Who punched the hardest in one of your fights? In actual fights, I don't remember anyone ever hitting hard, quite honestly. Um, I don't. Like, I never caught, oh, shit, that hurt. Never in a fight. Um, although Hendricks probably hit me pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> and my second question, though, and this, right? this goes back well, well, this goes I, back I will years. say though, I will say, though, that in training, Phil Baroni and Trevor Prangley uh, – and Anthony Rumble Johnson, probably the three guys that hit me, and I was like, "Fuck that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rumble. Rumble was a, a topic earlier in the in, in the podcast, which is yeah, which is great. That was when I he was, was still. That was still when he was uh, he was still trying to make welterweight, you know. So he was, you know, two hundred pounds. Oh my yeah. god, that was a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but it was different. Those like, name... three guys—they all hit hard, but their style of punching, and it was all different. It was weird, you know. Brony, Brony was, you know, the inside close slugger, uh, could still throw with pretty good speed at the time. I was sparring with him, hit hard. Uh, Trevor Prangley was like slow pushing type power. It was different. And then Johnson was—I don't know. It was like somebody had a two by four, and he was like jabbing you with a two by four it was like they felt different but they're all hard as fuck yeah yeah so if you could if there's any fight that you see out there if, there, if there's any opponent who would you see would be enough motivation to say okay that's the guy i want to fight like is there any fighter out there right now that's that, that motivates you or that if they said okay you can fight this guy who would be the guy uh no no fighter just titles titles and money I'll fight yeah. anybody for the right price, and uh, if there's a belt, I like shiny things. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, and but yeah. So I got you. So um, it, we, we went way over time. I'm so sorry for taking up so much of your oh, time. Oh no worries. I, I said, yeah, I said 25 minutes, and we're way over in time. But like, I'll I'll ask uh, one more question. Cool. So I can ask one more question. But um, so. When it comes to because you're doing seminars and everything like that, um, do you are you going to continue with Bellator? Do you want to go somewhere else, or you know, are you? I'm really, settled? I'm really happy with Bellator. I love Bellator has been treating me so awesome. They've got a great staff. They've been they've been taking care of me 100. percent Like I've got no. That's great to hear. Got no bad things to say about Bellator on a personal level. They're they're doing they're doing great by me. Um, I like working with Scott. Um, I like the fact that, you know, I'm based in San Jose and they're based in San Jose. So that's cool. Um, you know, even if I'm not fighting, I, I think it would be cool to find a way to work with them. 
Awesome. Son, you have a follow-up question before we let Mr. Stitch? No, no, just, just it was an absolute, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, watch, watching you grow into, into, you know, like, like my cousin said, one of the greatest of all time. And I can say that without a shadow of doubt, you know, it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, hearing the aspect. I've been, I've been trying to hear the whole uh, business aspect of, uh, of UFC and, and how it's you know, demoralizing awesome. on, on some of the, uh, some of the fighters. And I'm just, from somebody that lived the situation, it's been an absolute honor listening to you, listening to your side of it. It's awesome. If, uh, the one thing I got to say, right, is any journalist um, who's claiming about fighters' rights, unionization, whatever, if that journalist is not saying uh, adamantly that the title needs to be taken away from the promoter, that we need a third party to control rank and title. If they aren't saying that, they're full of shit and they're a shill. <laughs> they're yeah. 100% full of shit. It, whether or not they're supportive of the Ali Act or not, if they are not bringing up the fact that there's a conflict of interest with the title, with the con, with the promoter controlling title and exclusive contracts, they're shilling 100%. And 100%. they're not trying they're not trying to change anything and nothing will change in the sport until that happens. Until you take the title away from the promoter, nothing changes. And yeah. just to mention John, I I'm on the Emmys. So I get punched in the face for free. So I completely absolutely <laughs> agree with you. So so All that right. goes without question. <laughs> so I'm still a student of the game and I'm on the Emmys. So mm-hmm. Uh, everything you said has been mind-blowing. And, John, uh, John, any last words or anything you want to say before you depart to your beautiful family? And, of course, I'm going to be rooting for you every step of the way when you decide to step inside the octagon. Awesome, dude. Um, you know, just you can check me out, uh, you know, your social media places, John Fitch Smash, Instagram, uh, johnfitch.net, on Twitter, uh, my website, johnfitch.net. Uh, I got blogs and a lot of stuff up on there. Uh, my YouTube channel, Official John Fitch. I uh, I do live streams pretty much every weekday. Um, like I call it the Shake Break, so you can watch those, check those out. I respond and answer a lot of questions with guys who are on the Shake Break with me. Um, I have a podcast called Fitch and Tinkle Smash Everything. Uh, we've had out for a few months now, or a couple months, uh, working with my comedian friend Chris Tinkle. Um, I got a lot of projects on my book, Failing Upward: Death by Ego, is available on Amazon. I'm working on a weight cutting book right now. And then I've got other books coming up as sequels to the uh, original Failing Up for Death by Ego. So I've got a lot of stuff working that I'm working on. Uh, just check it out and uh, check me out. I'll be blasting it everywhere. Hey, John, you literally blew my mind. Best interview I've ever done. And, John, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. No problem, man. It's good talking to you. I like talking to people. Uh, reach out again. We'll do it sometime in the future again. Uh, you know, this is one of the things I, I kind of want to get into a little bit more is the podcasting and just, you know, talking to people, exchanging ideas, that type of stuff. You're the man. Thank you so much, Mr. Pitch. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Good talking to you. Well All right. Bye-bye. Mr. Pitch. I never really like because I I read about all that all all that fighter stuff and literally he was at the he was at the top of just you know, I I I was a little bit of a young buck but and just he was at the top and he just you know just him and you know UFC part of the way but hearing it 
from a fighter's fighter's point of view. I mean, what what he's doing is truly, you know, like he said, he could be making two fifty a, a fight over there, but he's he's looking at the, at the greater good, which I can appreciate. Yeah, you know, you know what? From an artistic standpoint, this has literally been my my best podcast podcast I ever did. Like, and, well, and, what he what he's doing is truly is truly remarkable, and I, I mean, in that he's, he's not even hearing me say this, so it's not it's not me it's not me, you know, you know, sucking up to you know the the great the great welterweight John Finch. It's just what he's doing is it, it's long overdue. It really is. Exactly, crazy, and it's crazy to think that, but. And, and you know, with with John Fitch and what he's fighting for, it's is more than just the uh, the morality of mixed martial arts, but it's also promoters. You know, it's and I'm think and I think about it too all the time. Like, you know, I fought two fights in New York and I got punched in. And I got I got decent money from the the pay per view revenue from online streaming, and I got decent money from the ticket sales and everything like that, and decent flat fee. But like, you know, it. it my my rights aren't protected either, you know. Like they can distribute it, Fight TV can distribute it, Fight Planet. Like you know, it, 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 well, distributing of likeliness, the the name likeliness thing was well, when he's that 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 is unbelievable. That is a promoter just being a promoter. I mean, taking taking it, it's the whole like you said the WWE thing. Like Cody Rhodes can't be Cody Rhodes anymore. He's Cody because he can't use yeah. his likeliness. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. Unfucking believable. So we're at the end portion of our phenomenal podcast. Sean, you and I nailed it. Well done. Well, 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 well Dave, I don't want to say you. I, I nailed it. I nailed it, Dave. I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> I, I, I think you absolutely nailed it. You, my friend. We gotta get, get JohnFinch.com because I, you know, the way the conversation went, it, 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 you know, I didn't want to do the. I want. I had one more question for him, and it was the same question I asked Muhammad. Um, the the old question about you know the duck and the horse, but you know oh maybe next god. time. Oh my god! What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! That one fucking question, man. You asked me that at the beginning of the fuck. Wait, wait, didn't you message me that question? The about the yeah, uh, I mentioned, but, but I mentioned, but, but I put a spin on it with Chuck Dell involved in it. You know, the Ice Man. Oh my god! But so Sean. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to do this another time, Davey. You you gotta you gotta be my podcast co-host because you and I have chemistry for fucking days. And I said this since we were kids. It just we work very well off each other. It's I'm the gift of gab. You're the gift of jab, I guess. Uh, I think so, man. I you know what? I think you might be the gift of both. Maybe I'm just your. Uh, maybe you should be the uh, the host, and I should be the uh, co-host. Nah, nah, nah. nah. I, I like being on the sidelines. I'll be the yeah. I'll be the co. You're you're way too modest, my friend. Hey, a little, little, little bit, a little bit. Are you are you ready to party on Saturday? By the way. Yeah, that's gonna be a good time, man. That's gonna be a good time. Uh, you know, the Tito's is gonna come out. You know, the vodka clubs, because I'm a I'm a little bit on 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 the on the massive side. So so you know, the vodka clubs, no no more no more butt heavies for for this guy. I need you to cut weight. So we can train MMA together. I, I think we have to make it a family share. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Maybe I'll go back on the weight cut. Who knows? Who knows what's in store? I think you need to. I I, I think yeah. I'm gonna get you in shape. <laughs> we'll see what happens. 
I think we I, I think we can run through all these motherfuckers. I, I, I think I, I think if you got into shape, I don't think anybody stands a chance against you. Just saying. For the record. Uh you're too you're too nice to me. <laughs> I'm not nice. I'm not nice, baby. I'm just realistic. You and I, you and I are yeah. cut from the same very tough cloth, and I think yeah. you would, you would, yeah. fare fairly so, well in mixed martial arts. Yeah. So, would anytime you want me on your podcast, Davey, I'm more than happy to talking to legends like John Finch, and even not just legends, just anybody like John. John said anybody, anybody willing to talk is always nice. Um, other than that, uh, Saturday. Give me a call. Come to my apartment. We'll start here because uh, Delia's is uh, only a nickel flip away from my apartment. So if you want to come here first, by all means. If not, we'll link up there. You know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge on Saturday. What, what time do you want me to meet at your apartment? Because uh, so I, oh my I'm God, off Saturday, so whenever you're ready. So so I have a pool party to go to with me and my gal. And uh, oh yeah, you do that first, and then just then just, then just meet me at Delia's. This is the first normal relationship I've ever been in. It is mind blowing. <laughs> like we're doing things together. It's fucking crazy. Like it's like such a new concept to me. It's like, oh my god, we're doing group activities and shit. Like, wow. Like it's it's mind blowing. Being in a guys, anyone that's listening, being in a healthy, awesome relationship is fucking radical. Just saying, I've never been fucking happier. So like. Maybe you should just come to the pool party with us, and then we'll go back to your apartment, and then we'll pregame, and you just do group activities with us. Just saying. Yeah, you know what? The chest hair might have to make a special appearance, I guess. Possibly. Yeah, you, I'll let you know tomorrow. You I'll let come. you know how I feel tomorrow. We'll see how work goes. Please do. I, I, so, so, Sean, Sean, when are you going to bring home a nice uh, – and we're talking about this uh, off hours, but when are you going to bring home a nice girl to Christmas Eve? Uh, Chris, Christmas Eve is your thing, Dave. <laughs> Christmas Eve has always been your thing. I gotta bring home the the weirdest fucking females at, on Christmas Eve, and I don't know if anybody's you know listening to this, but like, I it, it's a tradition that I just bring fucking weird fucking females to Christmas Eve. So that is our that's, Christmas that's tradition. That is that is truly our <laughs> Christmas tradition. Dave, I Dave mean, bringing strange people. They, they, I they're mean, good. They were strange, but they were good. Whatever. Who knows? Uh, you, I, know, you know what? Caitlin was all right. Like, she, she held it together. Um, maybe Aaron was okay. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, she's all right. Um, yeah. But, but like I said, like, so our cousin Jamie, she just graduated college. And for some reason, my aunt and my mother put together, like, one of those advice jars and whatnot. Like, you, you pick one out of the day, and it's a... It's words of wisdom. So, what I did is I uh, I, I took that as a, as a chance to not do advice, but to do funny stuff. So, Jamie picks one of those things out, and it says, "It could be worse. You could have been Dave growing up on Christmas Eve all these years." And that's I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's truly it's truly a testament to your character. See, that's why you're the fighter. It's a testament to your character all these years. You know what? But you like, found I'm one always, now. You found one now. So good for you. You know what? Like I, I I've always been relationship minded. I've always been, and, and I, I maintain, I maintain relationship like friendships with all my exes except Denise, which fucking sucked. But like every single relationship, like maintain friendships. But like 
Yeah, I dated some fucking crazy ones. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely, you're yeah. absolutely fucking right. And like I said, living on the sidelines for it was more than enjoyable enough. That's oh why you're the God. host. Remember, dude. That's why you're you. the host. Like, you remember, fuck you. Do you remember Jen? Come <laughs> on, man. Come on, bro. Yeah, yeah bro. but do you remember me bro. not bringing her to Christmas Eve, bro? Bro, bro, bro. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Matt Riddle right there. You still fucking, you still fucking date her. You still fucking date her, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But did she kind of see? I would never. I, she was great, though, know, for the time. She was great. She got a little, you know, she was a, she was a little crazy one. You brought her I hope the best for her. Yeah, I did do that. I hope the best for her. Um, but yeah, I, I would have never, ever, ever brought her to Christmas Eve. Unbelievable. But I'm in a fucking normal relationship now, which is pretty rocking. Just saying. She irons yeah. my shirt. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, I mean, yeah, that that's up there, man. She's 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 doing your clothes. She's doing your laundry. Good ironing shirts and shit. She was in the army. She she's college educated. We have good conversations. She's not trying to kill me in my sleep. It's a fucking perfect setup, and we can talk four hours. I mean. You, you can't fucking beat it, my friend. This is this is Christmas Eve material, my friend. Yes, yes. Good for you, Dave. But in any event, Dave, listen, I'm gonna have to depart. I got I got <laughs> I got work in the morning. It's gonna be a hot day tomorrow too. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, but thank you for having me, Dave. I I, I think our rapport together was a uh, was top notch. I think I, I think you know, I think I did a good job with you. I think we did a good job together. So, Sean, enjoy yeah. the sprinkler. My cousin Sean, the sex is If anyone needs their sprinklers done, give me a holler. You can you can always Instagram me at Damien Tobacco. That is at Damien underscore tobacco. I'll take a look. Free estimates. I'll take a look. Come through sex and do, is, to do a perfect job. Sex is man on the planet, y'all. Sex is man. Hey, second second sexiest man on the planet. I know, I know. I don't even have to say it, baby. All right, you have a good night. I was gonna, I was gonna I say you. Justin Timber. I was gonna say Justin Timberlake, but okay. Oh fuck you! I love you. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you. I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll call you. I'll call you Saturday, probably around noon. Cool. All right. See you then. All right, later. My cousin Sean signing off. Oh my God, what a podcast! Probably the best podcast I've ever done in my entire life. Boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm gonna wrap it up right now. Wrap it up like a Christmas present. No pun intended, because we talked about Christmas Eve and me bringing over weird fucking visions. But like, anywho, so like, guys, thank you so much for joining in. Uh. So, 4th of July weekend, obviously, I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be super, super busy. A lot of fun activities with the new gal, and shout out to her. Got a promotion at her, at her job. Uh, she's going to be making bank. So, I got a promotion at my job. She got a promotion at her job. It's just a perfect setup. So, like, congratulations to her. A big winning machine. Sue, you're, you're incredible. There There is absolutely no words. So, 
with that being said, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an honor and a pleasure. My cousin, John Fitch, the absolute legend, and my good friend, Muhammad Del Reese, who will be fighting on ESPN in August. Boys and girls, children of all ages, this is David Potter, and I am signing off. Thank you very much, and I'll see you July 11th, and I'll have more guests in store for you. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good night. Bye-bye. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio with your host, David Potter. David Lifestyle on camera, $100,000 chandelier. They tried to turn me to an animal, but white people think I'm radical. Supermodels think I'm handsome. You might think I'm too aggressive, but really I think I'm too passive. Cause I pull out the top and start blasting. All the singles, straight up, throw it up, watch it fall and drop, run it, run it, go, stop, 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 I'm about to hit the yay button. I don't want to say nothing wrong, but it'd be wrong if I ain't say nothing. Imagine if I ain't say something. Wouldn't nothing say nothing. I done lost and made money. Now I'm making something they can't take from me. And I'm fresh out of debt in this month. And they still ain't ready yet for a month. Yeezy might have to go and put his Louis on. I'm about to go Gucci in a Gucci store. Fresh out the feds in this mother. And they still ain't ready yet for more. Gucci mine, and I'm about to put my Yeezys on. Now that Gucci home is over for you, Gucci clone. All the singles straight up, throw it up. Watch it fall and drop, round and round and go. Stop, shut it, round and go. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio with your host. David Potter. David Potter. Quavo. Lifestyle on camera. $100,000 chandelier. They tried to turn me to an animal. But white people think I'm radical. Supermodels think I'm handsome. You might think I'm too aggressive. But really, I think I'm too passive. Cause I pull out the top and start blasting. All the singles. Straight up. Throw it up. Watch it fall and drop, run it, run it, go. Stop, stop, stop. Damn, 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 damn. Pray for me. I'm about to hit the yay button. I don't want to say nothing wrong, but it'd be wrong if I ain't say nothing. Imagine if I ain't say something. When I say nothing, I done lost and made money. Now I'm making something they can't take from me. And I'm fresh out of debt in this month. Gucci store, fresh out the feds in this mother, and they still ain't ready yet for a month. Gucci mine, and I'm about to put my Yeezys on. Now that Gucci home is over for you, Gucci clone.